When cars get damaged in a flood, more often than not, they have to be destroyed. Even though the cars eventually dry out and can appear to run well, the damage to their electronics can take many months to show up. And yet, some unscrupulous people will sell flood-damaged cars to unsuspecting buyers. They'll falsify the titles or wash them in industry parlance and send those cars back into the system. That's why on today's show, I've invited a couple of experts on to explain how all this laundering and shady practices take place and what you should be on the lookout for. We actually shot this show before Hurricane Irene hit the East Coast, but as you're about to see, the lessons learned from previous floods are just as relevant right now. From our studios in the Motor City, this is AutoLine. Here now is John McElroy. Thanks for joining us in the studio. As noted, we're joined by Eric Widmer, the Vice President at Alliance Inspection Management. Great having you here, Eric. Thanks. And Michael Wilson with Automotive Recyclers Association. Great having you here, too. Thank you, John. Uh, my, both of you, there's so much to, to talk about on, on all these used cars and what's happening in that. But... Let's talk about flood-damaged cars. You know, we know from a few years ago there were tens of thousands of vehicles that were damaged when Hurricane Katrina hit on the, the south coast of the, the country, notably especially in New Orleans. Uh, but also, this past uh, spring, we've seen enormous amount of flooding up and down the Mississippi and its tributaries. And now my understanding is a lot of cars that should have been totaled because they're being flood-damaged are having their titles washed to use the industry vernacular and faked and brought in. Tell us a little bit about what you guys see from your side. Yeah, from our side, uh, Katrina was huge as far as the educational on the flood vehicles and where they were going. And, and there was numerous news stories of how they ended up in Wisconsin with clean titles. And again, when you have 50 states and some states have more stringent uh, titling requirements than others, there has been a historic problem where one state watches the salvage or flood title off in other states. And so the consumers out there exposed to not knowing if there's any damage whatsoever. Um, since Katrina and what's I think different in this marketplace for the spring and those vehicles that are going through that are flood damage is the Invita system, the National Motor Vehicle Titling Information System. That system now is uh, up to 49 states. Uh, I believe Illinois is the last state they need to bring in. But what's happening is all those uh, vehicles are being put into a, a national federal database. And so it, they have been total lost. They may not have the flood damage title on them per se, but they're also supposed to carry those titles over from state to state under this Invitas system. But now any consumer can go on to Invitas.gov and, and find out if this vehicle has been a total loss, whether it was in Louisiana or Wisconsin. And so that should give them pause that something's wrong with that vehicle. Okay, you said National Motor Vehicle Title Information System, but exactly what is that Invitas? Invitas it was, came out of the 1992 Anti-Theft Act. Uh, it took 17 years before it got to fruition, and it was... Uh, we may get there, but it takes us a long time. Yeah, it took a while. To, there was a lawsuit by consumer groups out in California that pushed it over uh, to get it implemented. Also, Cash for Clunkers came along and really pushed it through also because uh, all those vehicles through Cash for Clunkers had to be re reported through Invitas. 
us. Uh, but what it, it has done is it's just making that uh, insurance companies, current plus four, if they uh, total out a vehicle, they have to report that. Uh, the term junk salvage vehicles or auto recycler vehicles, they are all vehicles of all years have to be reported. So if a uh, salvage yard or an auto recycling facility gets a, a vehicle in, they have to report that, that they acquired that vehicle and they have to do that every month. And, and when they crush that vehicle, uh, that's also reported into the system. So there's a, an in and an out. And so for the first time, we're able to view through the VIN number all these vehicles pretty much from the beginning to the end of their lives, which is important. And we sort of talked in, in preliminary discussions that we don't know how many vehicles are being exported. We don't know how the flow of vehicles work in this country. And so I think this is exciting for us once the system gets up and running, because not all the entities that are supposed to be reporting are reporting, they don't know about it. But once we get the fuller database of information, there's some exciting things out there. So uh, all these flood-damaged cards would have their VIN entered in the Envitas. So theoretically, anybody could check and see, was this car ever flood-damaged? Yeah, what's what's great about it is the auctions. If any of those vehicles go through a salvage auction, this, uh, the salvage auction is considered a salvage junk entity. So they have to report on a monthly basis. And so those vehicles would go in if they were going through an insurance auction. So boom, they're in the Envitas system. Any of the other vehicles coming from, from our folks that we've acquired, would also have that designation being put into that system. And what is neat is in Vitas.gov, there is a uh, currently on that site a, a way that a consumer can go in there, type in the 17-digit VIN number, and it will say there is a, a entry into this system. They may not know if it's flood. They may not know if it's... Uh, uh, a salvage. But, but if the, the number's in there, you don't want that car. You know that there's an, an issue. And, and what's good about that is then the consumer can either look to buy the Invitas report, which is from 295, I think, to 495, or they could go to an expanded uh, with Carfax or Experian and get a more detailed report. But it does give them that, that first bit of knowledge to say... It's a warning flag. Yeah. Red, red now, flag. my research shows that anywhere from 20,000 to 30,000 flood-damaged cars from Katrina got washed through the system and were sold to unsuspecting customers. Did Envitas exist at that time, or has it been put in place since? Put in place since. Again, uh, in 90... 90- so with the, all the floods in the Mississippi and all that, theoretically, we would not have flood-damaged cars going through. Yeah. Again, the, the titling in Envitas is not... Uh, it's supposed to carry forward, so that's a provision that's going to be helpful. But the biggest thing, I believe, just in my years of, of dealing with uh, titling legislation, is, is that the vehicles, because they're total loss by the insurance company and they're going to the main entity that's going to process those for the insurance companies, which are the salvage pools, they have to report and they are reporting. So all those vehicles will be in the database. Now, again, the states are in various uh, stages of full implementation of Invitas. So they're not going and trading back information to and from on all jurisdictions yet. We're not there yet. Uh, we've got a ways to go. So I, I'm not so sure that all the titles will flow the way that we would like to see them. But the information is there on that vehicle. And so that's going to be an exciting development as we track and see what happens from all the, the damaged vehicles from these flood, uh, the flood of the spring. But because we can track them all, Eric, this is a perfect segue to get you in on the conversation because uh, the Alliance Inspection Management, AIM, uh, what, you inspect cars and you we can cars, and yeah. give full representation to anybody who wants to buy it as, is it what the seller says it is? Right. And I, I would say, you know, for the consumers, there's 
such a wealth of, of information out there now, um, whether, whether it's the government database, whether it's an auto history report, um, you know, arm yourself with as much information as you can on that particular car before, before you decide to buy it. Um, that could include inspection, it could include when, you know, when you're looking at a car, if, if you can find rust in a place that there shouldn't be rust underneath the seats, or if the car has new carpet, you know, people don't put new carpets in cars unless there's a, there's a problem. You know, just, just be smart about it, be cautious. Uh, you know, it's a big purchase, it's, it's a lot of money, and the amount of information out there now is much greater than it used to be. But a consumer, or do you guys do these kinds of inspections for consumers, or as a dealer groups, or who? We, we do it for across the board. We have consumer products, we have dealer products, we have uh, captive finance and OEM products, uh, depending on what people are looking for. Um, and in, included in some of these products are auto history reports, um, oil sampling. We can, we can sample the oil from the transmission, the engines, run it through a lab and put a guarantee on it. What, um, you can analyze the oil and tell if the engine or the trans is yep. any good or how long it might last? Exactly, and it, it'll tell you, you know, um, what's normal, what's abnormal, what you need to watch out for, um, and the labs can tell by what's in, in the oil sample what's wrong with the engine. Um, so you can get a pretty good idea of, of what you're getting yourself into. Um, and with the Katrina flood-damaged cars and other flood-damaged cars, has, has that been good for business? Um, Yes and no. I mean, hopefully most of this stuff is, is being taken care of appropriately. It's being crushed the way they're sold through salvage and, and properly claimed. But there are, there are cars that get through that. Um, and, you know, you just have to be careful when you're buying used cars. And, you know, because, uh, Michael, my understanding is one of the, the big things in auto theft right now is cloning. Used to be years ago that, uh, not that far ago, that the best way for thieves to take a car was steal it, take all the parts, chop shops, that is, and then sell off all the parts. But now my understanding is they'll clone the cars. They'll either steal a car, let's say, like, uh, just to make up an example, a BMW 7 Series, drive to the next state over, look for a BMW dealership, copy down the VIN, and then create a new title for that car and sell it. So even though you've got uh, Invitus where you've got these these VINs going into the system, there's still thieves out there that are faking it. Yeah, the VIN cloning has, has been there for years, and it's uh, taken a, a different dynamic as as the technologies out there have become more and more that has brought down the theft rates. Uh, those have been going down, I think, probably 10 years in a row, which is a, is a good thing. I think the, the well, latest... Why is it? Why has the auto theft rate gone down? Well, the auto theft rate's gone down just by the different uh, bells and whistles that the automakers have put in from the... the key systems to alarm systems, you name it, that has helped bring the theft uh, levels down. The thing that has gone up is the non-recovery rates, and that's where this VIN cloning comes in and plays a part of it. Uh, we have been, um, have seen it on the front lines with our organization in that when our members go to a, a salvage auction, they'll see vehicles that have been almost totally burnt to the ground that should you know, there's only, the hubcaps almost is the only value that there is in that vehicle going for $7,000, $8,000. Well, what is happening and occurring at that is that the, the criminal element is looking to get the paper from that vehicle so that they can go and still the same make and model. Uh, again, they can take the bin, pop it off, and, and even counterfeit one, put it onto the, the vehicle, and then they have the paperwork that says that that's it's not a stolen vehicle. And so they switch that out. And so whenever they get stopped, uh, nine, you know, 99 times out of 100, 
it flashes the line on the VIN, it's, it's fine. Everything looks legal. Yeah, and then they don't have the chance to check for the hidden VINs. Now, once you, you look at that. Uh, you hidden can, VINs, you mean the VINs that might be on uh, the transmission, the chassis, the engine, and that sort of thing. Exactly. And so if they don't match the VIN right by uh, the top of the dashboard, you know it's a fake. Right. Yeah, and, and again, and some of the more sophisticated systems, they're going to some of those hidden VINs and even also altering those, but it's tough to get all 20 of them. But it's it's something that is a, is a huge problem. And historically, when we looked at it, uh, we were looking, it's been years since I looked at the specific numbers, but it's a substantial issue out there. And more and more now that people are able to artificially uh, duplicate those VINs, People are just going to uh, shopping malls and putting that down. Also, they're going to our uh, our salvage uh, facilities and auto recycling facilities and writing down numbers of these vehicles that are in the auto recycling sort of graveyard, and then going out and selling those makes and models. And so, what's good about the Invita system, sort of going back and dovetailing with that, is that now uh, law enforcement will know. Wait a second. This VIN is supposed to be over here at ABC, you know, Auto Parts, and so. That'll put up a red flag, and, and that system, Invita system, will go uh, ultimately to the police cruiser and allow for the police officer, if they know and get plugged into the Invita system, that they can use that as a resource. So let me get this right. You've got thieves paying as much as seven or eight thousand dollars for a car that has no value in it whatsoever, just to get the VIN. Exactly. What's that do for your members who are trying to buy vehicles to recycle them for the value of the, the metal and other materials? Yeah, well, it makes it very difficult to compete when you're uh, against those uh, savory elements. Uh, one example I give you on this, John, is uh, Greg Turp, who is the chair of the Infidus Advisory Board, uh, mentions that uh, in one uh, scenario, the VIN number was used for the export of six different stolen vehicles. So they only same number. Same number. And they don't just use it on one vehicle. Once they have that number, they can spread a, spread the wealth out there because again the exports of these vehicles, there's not the kind of controls that are necessary there in place now. Again, there's a focus on this because a, a lot of the uh, again, because vehicles are so expensive, that money uh, laundering aspect is is prevalent out there for for various groups, terrorist groups, criminal organizations, and if you're going to have to watch money, there's no better way than to do it with a vehicle and the value that uh, the vehicle brings. Amazing. I didn't know that. And we're going to have to get into the export of these vehicles in a minute. But Eric, do do people ask you to check these different VINs on a vehicle? Absolutely. Is that one of the inspection points that you do? Yeah, our guys are, are trained to, um, to check the VINs. We can't check all 20, obviously. Every you probably time. don't need to, but two or three of them. At two least. or three, and and they can get a pretty good idea. If they see you know rivets that have been moved, or if something looks fishy, they, they keep digging. Um, and and like Michael said, there's there's 20 different spots to look at, so you can get a pretty good idea if something's wrong. They 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 pick it up pretty quickly, and they know exactly where to look for these yeah. numbers too. What they have little sticks with mirrors or something. I'm sure it's got to be a, a the, pain in the neck to go and try to track down all. They these can numbers. get them. Some of them are fairly obvious, and some of them are a little more hidden. Um, but they, you know, the number one thing they have to do is verify it's the asset they're supposed to be looking at. Right. That's the first thing they have to do. So, and and generally they can see stuff that that's been tampered with or moved or doesn't look right. You know, they're looking at cars all day, every day, so they know what a, you know, they know what a Nissan VIN plate should look like. Mm -hmm. and if, it, if it looks a little bit different, they, they can sniff it out pretty good. Who else uses your services? You know, there's so many cars being sold on eBay these days, and you know, if I want to buy a car that I like, but it's seven states away, is, is that the kind of customer you're getting? Say, hey, AIM, go check it out and see if it's any good. We, it's, it's kind of interesting. In our consumer product, um, 
we do we do a lot of surveying and trying to figure out who our customer really is, um, and it 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 crosses the board. It's from ten year old minivans up to one year old Lamborghinis and everything in between. Um, what the internet has done is it's expanded the markets that people can buy cars from. So a lot of it's cross state, a lot of it's cross country. It's it's you know the the buyer in Connecticut who wants the California car, the Florida car. They, you know they don't want the winter car. Um, our service allows them to, to, you know, capture that car virtually, get get the DNA of that car, and then make a, a good decision whether they want to buy it or not. So, um, it's both local, it's cross state, it's cross country. It's we do work for people in Europe, we do work for people in Canada, really? people that are exporting, looking for specific cars here that they want to bring back to, to whatever country they're from. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's really kind of fascinating where our customer base comes from because it's it's really gone from you know, continental U.S. to worldwide. So. And is it classic cars that the people overseas are looking for here, or is it all over the it's, map? It's classic cars. It's collector's cars. We have, we have groups over in, in uh, the Middle East that are looking for Camrys and Sonatas. We have, I mean, it just depends. It runs the total gamut of the whole, the whole auto industry. What's it cost to have an inspection? If I wanted a car inspected out of state, what would it cost me to have it? Depending done? on what services you want, um, it starts at about $129 and then goes up to about 400 if you include all the oil sampling and the warranty and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So you get to pick and choose what you want, you got what a you menu don't want. There. Yeah, you can pick. We're not forcing you one way or the other. Um, I would imagine dealers who are after good used cars would want your service. That's that's another one of our products, the consumer, the dealer, and then the, the captives and the finances. And, and the dealers have the same, the same issue. As, as the used car volume goes down, they're, they're struggling to find cars to sell. So they're expanding their buying. You know, they might have gone to one or two auctions, maybe used one or two of the websites, marketplaces, virtual marketplaces. Now they have to use them all. They, they have to be, you know, they're competing with everybody now. It's kind of opened up the game and leveled it off for everyone. So it's, it's kind of interesting. I'll, I'll bet it is. Michael, uh, we know that there's a shortage of used cars right now. Now, I thought the main reason, and I still think this is the case, is that new car ca- sales collapsed three years ago. So, you know, those millions of potentially uh, new cars that could be go- potentially going into the used car market, they're just not there. But I understand there's a lot of used cars being exported out of the United States. I had no idea about that. Talk, talk a little bit about what kind of change you've seen there. Yeah, you know, referencing back to the online auctions, again, the salvage pools have also gone into that sort of business model, uh, opening up their auctions to the public, where before you had to have a certain bid card to be able to um, bid on these very severely damaged vehicles. So now people in Lithuania, you name it, Europe, Western Europe, Eastern Europe, Africa, uh, the Middle East, uh, are sitting there online bidding on these vehicles. And so those vehicles uh, are going throughout the country. Now, why do they want them? Why, why would they come to the United States as a source of used cars? Well, the, the, the value of the dollar is, is weak now, and so their, their buying power is much greater. Uh, you've also got a lot of... Um, market forces at, at, at play here where uh, a lot of stuff are being uh, shipped over here uh, and then the containers are, are empty on the way back. So it makes it very easy to put those vehicles into containers and, and move them forward. Uh, as you talk about the, the volumes going from you know 17 million new cars down to 10 million a couple years ago, again, we're going to see that as the, the aging population gets into our facilities. That's going to be a big uh, canyon that we're going to see. but So you're going to see the value of scrap cars go up a lot. And it has already. And, and that comes from, one, uh, these uh, open public uh, forces 
pushing the prices up. You've also got uh, the consumer, because of the uh, economic uh, problems, holding their vehicles longer and longer. Uh, right now, the average uh, vehicle is on the road for 10.4 years. That's The average. oldest it's ever been. Yeah, and that's average. And so uh, all those market forces uh, are putting uh, challenges uh, out there for the auto recycler uh, to figure out how they're going to get those cars, how they're going to bid on them. Uh, and make a uh, make a, a fair living out of that, and so it's it's going to be a challenge for us. I think as as we look at it, uh, broadening out the number of parts that our folks use and can and can get out there in the marketplace is going to help out. But that's there's huge challenges there. We get into right to repair issues with the automakers and codes and recoding stuff, and the and the differences between paying a, a new uh, OE part for three thousand and we can get it to the consumer for a thousand, but it's not that simple. There are a lot of barriers in between there. My understanding, too, is that cars that would be totaled in the U.S. and marked as totaled might get exported overseas and repaired, maybe not to original OEM specs, and then some unsuspecting person in a foreign country buys a car that might fold up like an accordion in an accident. And, and that's the key to the Invitas system that is, is absent. Uh, once that vehicle leaves the U.S. border, there is no, uh, there's no brand, there's no reason for a foreign uh, buyer to look into Invitas. Uh, there will be no educational process there uh, in Eastern Europe to say, you know, go look in Invitas and this has, you know, whatever title it is or what a total loss is, that will be absent. And again, you're looking at the, the market forces. You know, we uh, in the U.S., we have OSHA, we have EPA, we have all these other federal regulatory agencies, NHTSA, looking at the safety of these vehicles. And then when they go overseas, that is, uh, there's nothing there and there's no safety net. And so uh, a lot of those vehicles will be put together in, in ways that would just um, scare the living daylights out of people. Uh, but they look good. Uh, but as you know, with all the different te technological advances in vehicles with high-strength steels, you can't cut uh, just anywhere on those without jeopardizing the structural integrity of that vehicle. Uh, also, Bondo, which may have worked in the 70s, doesn't <laughs> so work today. That's that, right. Yeah. So is the Automotive Recyclers Association trying to work with other countries to create sort of an international Invitas? We're, we're an international association. We have member uh, companies of 14 countries. We have been working and looking uh, to make sure that Invitas works with the Canadian counterpart and also with uh, the officials in Mexico on that, and then there's also been uh, discussions uh, with our colleagues in the European Union. I was at uh, Budapest in March uh, talking about these issues, and, and it, it's amazing. The auto recycling community, all the problems are, are universal, whether you're in Australia, whether you're in Europe or the U.S. All these vehicles, it's amazing to me, somehow seem to be going to North Africa or to the Middle East, and I'm wondering how many people could you know, drive these vehicles if they're coming from everywhere in the world. But there are huge issues in the European Union. They also are concerned about the vehicles leaving um, their countries and going um, to Africa and other places around the world. Eric, I imagine one of the things that you're asked to inspect uh, are were, you know, two different cars have been welded together, you know, the rear end of one was totaled the front of another, and now they put the two good halves together, and like uh, Michael's saying, it looks good to the naked eye, but I'm sure this has got to be something that you look for as well. The clip car, yeah, the half and half car, uh, certainly not something you'd want to drive around in. Um, and it happens. I mean, there, there, there are repairs done that aren't done correctly. Um, Everyone knows the correct way to do them. Some people 
don't choose to. What, what kind of thing way. should be should a consumer be on the lookout for? They should be on the lookout for you know previous repair, structural damage, uh, anything that. What, it, what kind of things do you look for on a car though? If you're not trained in this, can you give any pointers? Sure. Look look at look at the paint. If the paint's you know matches from panel to panel, and you don't and, see. And the inside, open the doors, open right? The, door. the hood and the, the trunk, and make sure the paint inside paint matches. Paint lines. Look for um, any any type of wear on tires that doesn't look correct. If the tire's not wearing correctly, there might be an issue. Look at the way that, you know, take the car for a test drive, see how it handles, see how it works. Um, look for fit and finish. If you, if you have a crooked panel or a crooked hood, um, that's a pretty telltale sign. Look for bolts and stuff that have been moved. You know, if a fender bolt's been moved, there's a reason. And, you know, when they put the wrench on it and turn it, 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 it shows. Mm-hmm. Um, look for dirt in the paint. Look for, there's all, all sorts of little things you can look for to kind of to tee off. Um, in, in terms of, I, I just wanted to make a comment yeah, about yeah, the, do, the, uh, the used car volumes that are coming back. What we're seeing on, from our side is we're three years out from the financial disaster where everybody cut back from leasing. Um, you know, here in Detroit, it, it probably affected more than anyone with GM and Chrysler and um, and for it, right? We're three years away from that, so the three-year leases, there aren't any, which is, is leading to part of the shortage in um, used cars. That None of these leases are coming back because they didn't lease three years ago. So we're kind of at the trough of our, our business plan right now. And, and we, we're, we're optimistically hopeful that it's going to get a lot better. We're seeing a lot of trends. Leasing percentages are up. They're north of 25% now. Um, you know, leasing's back, the, the, the OEMs and the captive finances are back in the game. They have a lot of money now. So we see a lot of, of, of brightness here in the future. We, we think this is going to get better, and it's going to get better pretty quickly. Now, is that, and we're down to the very end here, is that going to be good for the general consumer in the U.S. market, especially with so many of these used cars going overseas? Yeah, yeah I think healthy manufacturers and, and banks is good for the consumer. I mean, I, you know, no one wants to go through what we went through three years ago and, and have continued to struggle with. So... I think it's going to be good. I think, you know, I think there's a lot of pent-up demand for cars. I think a lot of people are kind of sitting on their hands waiting to see what happens. And, you know, the, hopefully the job stuff's going to get better and people get more confident. So Yeah, I, I hope so, too. Fascinating discussion. We've only just, you know, hit the top of the iceberg here. But Eric Widmer from AIM and Michael Wilson from the Automotive Recyclers Association, thank you both. Very thank good. You. And thank all of you for having tuned in. 